Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. So look at that, at long last, a new intro. It's about a month late, but you know, <laughs> okay. we, we, we get there. The new intro for a new year of the podcast, that is, by the way, I label these intros when I give them to you, that was year seven. We're starting year seven. This is starting year I seven. Can't believe We're in the that. seventh year of doing this I podcast. Thank you guys that. for listening as always. As you've obviously noticed, we are not in the studio. I know newsflash. We're on a road trip. More importantly, we're on a road trip coming back from the beginning of the next Cheap Car Challenge. This is awesome. This is becoming normal. <laughs> we fly somewhere, buy a sketchy car that we haven't actually done a pre-purchase inspection no, on. we just dive we in. We haven't checked it out. We're, we're going on the Carfax. We're going on what the owner tells us. We're going on the description. <laughs> and we're saying, yeah, let's do that. And it becomes part of the experience, the overall experience. Yes, the story, yeah, for I'm sure. I'm so excited. So we're driving back. We have flown just for the day. We've flown to Phoenix, met the owner, got in the car, jumped in the car and just hit the road and we're driving back to Utah. My favorite moment was the Uber driver that picked us up at the airport in Phoenix and said, how long are you here? And we said, just today. And then it dawned on both of us. We had flown in to have lunch, to buy a car, to immediately leave again. We were on the ground in Phoenix less than three hours. So funny. Well, welcome to the beginning of the Cheap Sports Car Challenge. Inexpensive sports cars are what's next. And we have found Todd's car in Phoenix, Arizona, We've flown there. We're in it currently. We are podcasting from the car. You need to tell everybody about how impressed you are with your new sports car, uh, man. You know what? I, here's the thing. There's a big video coming. You have to, actually have to know this. There are going to be 12 videos coming, one a month, off of our cheap sports cars. Paul's is still pending. We, we think it's happened as well. The, the payment's in process. Yep. I think it's so far away. It's in Florida. It has to be shipped. Yeah, that's going to be shipped. But this one, yeah. since it was in Phoenix, we flew down and got it, and we're driving it back. There were a couple things, and you'll see this in the big intro video, and Auto Tempest is backing us on this entire event. We're very excited about having them with us, so thanks to them. But we shopped on Auto Tempest. You'll see the whole video about the shopping process and the cars we whittled it down to. So a little bit of a spoiler alert for those of you that are going to see the video later but only listen to the podcast now. We decided to not do the usual suspects, and that is two specific things. One, I probably would have just bought an old Miata. But everybody you knows would've. you, you could get a cheap Miata. The, the limit on this was $7,500. Yep. So I yep. would have probably just bought a cheap Miata. You would have probably just bought a cheap Boxster. We would have called it a day. So we took both of those. And we would have been happy. We would have been happy. Done, we would have been very pleased. And indeed, you can buy cheap sports cars. Totally. According but to your But we took both of those out of the equation in an effort to get into new experiences, cars we don't have much experience with, we haven't owned before. I actually was thinking about a Boxster for a while. Yes, you were. And then you I were. even thought, you know, I, I know the Boxster. We like the Boxster. It's really good. Let me <laughs> go another way. this car. Yes. So I end up buying a BMW. I'm I proud of you. Currently I'm in proud. a 2004, same year as the Phaeton, by the way, a 2004 BMW Z4 convertible. It is the 3-liter straight 6 with the 6-speed manual. That is kind of checking a lot of the standard BMW boxes. That's what I'm in. We are driving it back from Phoenix. It was the weirdest, quickest car transaction of my life. I signed the... uh, We met at a bank, so there was a notary, so we could sign the title over. He took the license plate off the back because it was a personalized Arizona license plate, so there's no license plate at all. I took the title. I handed him a cashier's check. We maybe were together 10 minutes. We checked to confirm that the tires were good. He had just done an oil change, which, Sam, thank you, man. That was very nice of you. We checked that the tires were good. They're actually good. They're almost brand new Michelin AS3s, so that's good. I'll give those lots of use. We hopped in the car and drove. This is, honestly, fantastic. one of the things we're going to do, one of the videos, is going to be a, follow me now, a post purchase inspection because we aren't even doing pre-purchase inspections on these cars. Yeah, we're realizing. We're just buying them and we're buying them and walking through the process almost as if we're walking through blind, but we're taking you along with us. 12 videos coming. It starts right here. Okay, so think about the challenge and our headspace and I want you to follow us. Okay. Because we we couldn't do the 86. We've covered the 86. True. Yeah. We couldn't pick a Miata. We've yep. covered the Miata. 
Mustangs, cool. Camaros, great. I wanted a GTO. All of those are two plus twos. Yeah, we wanted two seat. Yes. Rear wheel drive, manual transmission. I cannot have a Porsche. As much as a 944 would have been cool, I thought about Boxsters. Get this. I even thought about going way back, and I found a 1986 Generation 3 Toyota Supra. Sure. For sale, 100,000 miles in Texas, in Katy, Texas. And I thought, oh, that would be great. But on the other hand, it's a 1986 Toyota Supra, yeah, way yeah. down on power compared to anything newer, like a 2004 Z4. Like that, yes. And I thought, well, as cool as it would be, you know, Supra, yes, but I'm not sure it would be as compelling as I think it is. Well, so throw all those cars out, keep going. What else is there? Pontiac Solstice. Totally. Saturn Sky. Yep. Yep. Those come up in the search. MR2s come up. But, yes. but that's the thing about it. Once you start to get beyond about 20 years old, you now have you now are taking, I think, a lot of people's desire to buy that car away. Because do you want a car unless that you old? Really, you, unless you, you really want you that car. You have to be shopping car. for that car. Right. We're trying to, right. to, like we did with the big sedans, we're trying to discuss and show and walk through the fact that I can't believe those are that cheap. Maybe I should get one. And off we go and do it. I mean, a lot of that is applying here again. And so, I mean, again, this is a 15-year-old car. It's not that bad. The ongoing debate is from you listening, and that is German car maintenance, especially with something this old. Yeah. Even from the early 2000s or anything in the 2000s, what about German car maintenance? True. So, True. therefore, I am not yet revealing what the car I am in the process of buying. I think you need to wait till it's on the I, truck. I'm going yep. to wait. Yeah. But I will tease all of you listening and say... What car do you think I am focused on? Yep. So Todd has gotten a Z4, which I think will be awesome. It's pretty cool so far. Yeah. 112,000 miles on this 2004. It is blue with tan top, yep. tan rag top. And so therefore, what is my car that will be in this same arena, same kind of price point, mm-hmm. similar year? It is also a manual. I will say that. It is also a manual. So I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> and I cannot wait for the car to arrive. Again, it's in Florida. I'm in the midst of buying it, and because it's so far away, we've got to have it shipped. Yep. But what's funny is, Todd had to have the Phaeton shipped. True. And, and I you could, went and drove the Maserati. It drove the Maserati yeah. from a super sketchy dealership in Las Vegas <laughs> next to the airport, yep. run by a guy who uses a lawyer by day's office to run his weird, sketchy car dealership out of a strip mall it at was night. So, it was so perfect. It was, that car really was. It was I, the best thing I got ever. This yeah. car. So... This is all forthcoming, but we are kicking this off. We're both in the Z4 and therefore bringing you the podcast. We realized we've got a podcast while we're on the road. Totally. So thanks yep. for being with us. Yep. Thanks for dealing with the audio quality. We're, we're hoping it's somewhat decent. But this speaks to the interior. We're both kind of going, all right. There, there's some road noise. There's some road noise along the leading edges of the weather stripping here. Yeah. And I can hear, depending on the road, there is tire noise. That it's a little bit uncomfortable, you know, in your small sports car. And but honestly, some road noise, this but has got more space than I expected. And it's yeah, not as loud as I feel. For the most part, sure, it's pretty sure. awesome. Yep, yep, yep. And we've driven the Z4 before, but we haven't really spent time in it. So we're going to drive each other's cars. Of course. And again, you, you guys have to guess. And it's going to be hopefully forthcoming within a few weeks. It's going to take a little while because we have to have it shipped. But last time you had to have that your car shipped, so now you're I right. Do the same, and of course it's out of Florida. So so many cool videos coming on these cars. We've <laughs> yeah. got a lot of really good videos planned. Again, that entire video series kicks off in a few weeks. Actually, we do have the end. The last video of the sedans is actually about two weeks away, and yes. then these these cheap sports cars will start after that. So you listening to the podcast, you're getting a little bit of a teaser of what these videos are going to be about because you're hearing what this car is. We may actually post a picture, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so that's coming. Thank you guys for watching the Z06 comparison on TV. That was a YouTube comparison piece. Yep. And uh, we are actually going to be releasing the Jeep Wrangler in Moab piece on the second YouTube channel. So go to Mm everydaydriver.com. And on the second tab over is YouTube. And you can find links to both of our now YouTube channels. And so we are officially kicking off as of this recording, the second YouTube channel. Thank you guys for subscribing. Yep. And that channel, you will notice, has been populated with test drive content from our 
main channel. Yep. That has been moved over, but now we have got such a backlog of press cars. That is where all the new stuff, the next video to come out, I believe, is a Toyota Tacoma and then the Moab piece. Am I correct on that? No, actually, we're going to do Moab first, but we have... Okay, Moab first. Moab will happen this Thursday, just so you know. We're, We're still populating that channel with the old Fast Blast, renaming them Test Drives. A whole, honestly, ridiculous amount of rebranding has been going on behind the scenes the last few weeks. That is finishing up now. We're going to have that Moab piece out on this Thursday. It will only be on the Test Drive channel. This is one of our old TV episodes. It was very fun. It was the last episode of Season 3. You and I took a Wrangler Jeep JL Rubicon two-door before they even were being sold. I mean, Jeep people yeah. freaked out about it. Yeah. And we did fins and things with zero experience, an actual fairly hardcore trail in Moab with my son riding in the back making commentary the entire time. It's a very fun piece. Because it's just a solo piece, we're putting it on that test drive channel. So all of you guys are going to be able to watch that there this Thursday. We're excited for you to see it. Yep. Very cool. We're excited for you to, to see it, as Todd said. And we do have our own store on Blipshift, just so you know. Todd is wearing his daily triple shirt. I am. You know, he, he has to pick up the car wearing something. I am wearing my BMW M hat. So, you know. I almost wore, I've almost worn out this daily triple shirt. I almost need another one. Yeah, I've worn yeah, it that much. And might. actually, a little uh, behind-the-scenes thing, the actual Speedo on the daily triple is modeled directly after the one in the Lotus Elise. That's right. That's right. Awesome. All right. So blip shift, you go to shop tab and you can find the partner portal and scroll down. You find everyday driver on there. So guys, thank you guys so much for the support. Really appreciate it. We've got a debate and then many questions which we have pulled. So I am riding shotgun right now. Todd is driving his brand new sports car. I think he's liking it. It's pretty cool. I've never owned a BMW. That's the thing about this. This is a brand new life experience for See? me. So uh, and the, we're trying to, to live what we tell you guys. We're trying to practice what we preach here. Very much so. And uh, yeah, seven thousand dollars for this car. I'm pretty That's proud right. of it. That's right. Pretty proud seven of it. Seven grand even. You can do it. The paint needs a little bit of work. Well, it's spots. But, but frankly, the car but, is surprisingly dirty for a car I just bought. I know. Uh, it was genuinely I dirty. I mean, Sam gave me a full tank of gas and made sure everything was working, and that was cool. But I was surprised at how dirty it was. So so Griot's is headed toward this car soon, and it's going to tr- transform. <laughs> yes, Granted, it is. I say that. You brought up the point earlier because it was shipped cross-country. When the Phaeton showed up, as excited as I was, I was instantly a little bummed because it was filthy. It was. And it was we, dirty, but it was shipped outside, yeah. uncovered. And then we cleaned it up, and we're like, oh, you know what? That's not that bad. This car is also very dirty, <laughs> and I think it's going to clean up really well. Yeah, well, awesome. All right, well, we are, we are jumping into a debate right now. And this is from John, who writes to us. He says, his wife has a Mark II Audi TT with all-wheel drive. Okay. It's a great car when you got the extended warranty. <laughs> this and is why we're doing this. Old German cars. Old German cars. Yeah. Are, are they a money pit? We're going to do it live. Here we go. <laughs> Anything beyond that is too expensive to maintain, in John's opinion. Personally, he likes to work on all of his cars to, perf- to do the maintenance. And he says he claims his highly modded 91 Miata, a 1998 LS400, Hmm. And a 2017 Scat Pack Charger. John, I read this and realized that you have your own spectrum of sacrifice going on. Yeah, he does. Left, right, and middle, as a matter of fact. Totally. With the LS in there. That's Uh an interesting balance. What's up with the Miata? Uh, Let's see. We'll get to that. I'm not sure he describes the Miata. He says highly modded. I just thought, wondered if he was like, how far we're going here. But all right, keep going. Well, he says he does all the maintenance associated with all three of these cars. But the more involved maintenance items, timing belts and chains, are about to get a lot easier with a soon-to-be-added four-post lift Ooh. in his newly built garage. There you go. John. There you go. The only problem here is that maintaining the Audi requires specific tools here and there, mm-hmm. which he just doesn't have, and the dealer kills you when you take it to them because they have invested in the special tools. They've paid that's the what money you're paying to buy for. Them. You're paying for the tools and the expertise. Of course you are. Yeah. He says the car goes through tires. More than him in the Charger, if you can believe it. That's unbelievable, actually. The Audi TT goes through tires more than the Charger does. Well, he says he'll be the first to tell us it's a lot more fun to power through corners in that thing. Okay. All right. He's fine with it. All right. I see it. Okay. Now, the Audi has almost 100,000 miles, and he hates it. (laughs) Okay. John wants to get his wife to trade it in for something different, but she always balks at the idea because... John's got several cars. 
Sure. I can't she. Sure. Okay. All right. This is his own logic used against him. This is any enthusiast yeah, logic right. twisted and then used against you. You're right. My wife's done this. She's like, well, you have your Elise. Yeah. My Elise is a Wrangler. When can I have a Wrangler? And I, I got yeah, nothing. See. I got nothing there. I'm stuck. Well, so you know how we've been talking about the Cheap Sports Car Challenge. Yes. And I mentioned the Pontiac Solstice in the Stad and Sky because yeah. they are cheap now. Very. She has expressed interest in those. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, those are great. On the other hand, the concept of a new Ford Bronco, if they come out with it, she also likes the old Broncos. But her dream, the pinnacle car, is an Audi R8. She's an Audi girl. Yeah, she is. Big time. This is great. Interesting. You realize the Audi R8 is the more powerful, overgrown TT. In a lot of ways it is. You're right. Yes. Essentially all it is. Stay in the Audi family. Move up through your career, move up in the ranks, you finally have more money, the kids are out of the house, get the R8. I see it. R8s are awesome. We've, of course, speculated many times it would be an awesome winter car in Park City. For sure. But she's all over the place. Now, John has disdain for the R8, and the things... Hmm. Interesting. He says, I know she's expressed interest in it, he's got disdain for it, but she's... He's open to any and all suggestions right now. He's, okay. he's trying right. to have an open mind. John, right. I commend like you it. for that. The only additional notes are that they would like to try to start a family in four to five years' time. Okay. They have a ranch. She doesn't drive, but 30, 30 to 40 miles per week in her car. Okay. Okay. But, he says, as I write this, the car hasn't moved in almost two weeks. In the back of his mind, he feels like he's likely to purchase the tools needed to maintain the TT and get her an SUV for the ranch driving. And the family growth All right. later. Yeah. Family growth later. He says, he's open. Are, are you open, John? Well, are, are you sure you're open? I, I, need to, I need to stop us here for, for something that I've heard a few times written in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I, I got to be honest, I don't understand. I don't understand that as a father, okay? Right. We've had multiple of you write in with some variation of what John said here, and that is, we're going to start a family in X number of years. Now, if you told me in the next year, that's one thing. But most people that say this say it like John. He's saying three to four years at least. He okay. says four to five. Four, okay, years four to time. five. All right. Now, now I'll, I'm going to go I'm ahead, there. I'm going to go ahead and do the math. Let's say it's five years. Then look, I'm no doctor, but there's another nine months on top of that until the child is actually here. My point here is, <laughs> you have a minimum of four years, and maybe as much as six years. Is there any other purchase in your life that you make now, planning for six years from now? I mean, the. I don't think you need to burden whatever car you're about to buy for a lifestyle that will change in five years. Free yourself up to buy something that works now. And then if when you guys start a family and it's on your doorstep, then worry about making that change. And I'll go another one while I'm ranting. I'll go another one. (laughs) There is no rule. By the way, unfortunately, do not hand you a handbook. Congratulations, you're a parent. There is no handbook and there is no rule that says you cannot have fun cars anymore because you're a parent. So don't burden this current car. I agree. Car. I and, agree. And, and why burden this current car for something that's five years away? I don't think that's even relevant right now. John, I love that your wife has a car that she loves. Agreed. Agreed. Despite what you think, despite your disdain and your hate for the TT, I love that she's got something we love because that she loves because we always come back to the foundation of the show mm-hmm. and want to help people get in cars they love. Yep. It is yep. irrelevant whether we like them or not. True. We'll true, give true. you yeah. our opinion, of yeah. course, but we might not like a thing about it and, you know, people write to us and say, that's exactly what I do like about totally. the car. Totally. That, that definitely happens. why I bought the car. You guys know nothing. Whatever. Well, but people Which are spending fine. their own hard-earned money and exactly. the whole thing we've said from the beginning is you have to, when that monthly payment comes across, you have to go, I like that I'm paying for that. I like that I have that. And that might not be something, to your point, that may not be something we like, but if you're thrilled with it, okay, there's merit there. Right. Right. Well, John, we don't know exactly where you live, so it's hard to estimate from a weather or climate standpoint what you're dealing with on a daily basis. But that also almost doesn't matter because she's got a point. You've got a car collection going. Yeah. Let's start there. Fair point. You've All right. got yeah, yeah. three cars okay. that you like, that you love. You love driving them. I'm curious, though, is about this LS400. Yeah. What, what's that doing here? Because yeah. we're all for the spectrum of sacrifice. I love that. And I love having cars at both ends. You have your spectrum of sacrifice. I do. I yeah. do as well. I've yeah, got yeah, the Expedition. Sure. 
that can tow 9,000 pounds, <laughs> and I've got the Cayman. Which you, you, you tow 9,000 pounds regularly. Regularly. All the time, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, Go on. Uh, still, the Maserati is still in my garage. It is going away very soon, but that is kind of in the middle. But what is this LS400 doing? Why, mm, why do you have question. that? Good question. Good question. Have we explored that, that at all? You, you mentioned yeah. very little about this LS400. So I'm wondering, is it like a piece of family heirloom furniture that you were there given you and handed yeah, down? Yeah. Because like furniture, well, it can't go away. It's got to stay in the family. Okay, I'll keep that nasty-looking hutch or dresser or bed or chair or whatever it is, <laughs> and we'll try to integrate it into the decor that we really want to cultivate here. Yeah. Well, nobody's going out and spending 80000 or $100,000 on furniture to fill their house with furniture that they really love. You collect it over time, you're yeah, handed you a do. piece, yeah, yeah. and you kind of have to make it work. So you go in a house and you think, okay, I like your... What is that chair? Yeah, that was my grandmother's <laughs> chair. We had it reupholstered. Is that the LS400 in your life? Is that the reupholstered yeah, chair yeah, yeah. in your life? That's good. Because why do you have that? What do you use it for? If you're commuting, fine, but you've got the scat pack charger. Yeah. You can track that thing. You can take it on road trips. That's a big enough car to be comfortable in commuting. It's not the best on gas, but I can't imagine an LS400 is much better fair point so yeah. what is it just comfort and turn off and you know you just cruise along and that's it <laughs> okay I'm wondering was this a family heirloom so car? you're actually wondering if in the midst of all this the LS400 can be jettisoned that's kind of where I'm going you're adding that what is the budget are you adding that to the budget I uh, well what is the budget well, I think John was clear about that John we don't have a budget from you but I think the point here it's almost good thing because it's almost less about the budget and whether or not your wife can get another car. Yeah, I think space. that's what it's about. Yeah, I see that. We can extrapolate from the cars you own and from the fact that you do your own maintenance, we can extrapolate that budget. Mm-hmm. We'll say mm, 25, 30 tops. I think you're right, yeah. I 25, 30 tops. Yeah. Because you've got some money sunk into your 91 Miata. You said heavily modified. A hand-me-down LS400, which I'm assuming... And you probably spent at least that much on your 2017 Charger. Probably. At least. Oh, yeah, for sure. For so sure, if you've yeah. got a collection worth that, then the TT's probably paid for. And, all right, she wants something else, but she doesn't want to let the TT go, so you're stuck wrenching on it. <laughs> and what does she get? She's got a sports car already. Yeah. You don't need something for family yet. But what if you wanted an SUV? What if you wanted something like that? So she likes something different, so she can have her own spectrum of sacrifice what would that look like okay but i hate to just run to suv i hate to unless john it's a cayenne if you tell me okay your wife could really fall in love with cayennes i could see it i could see her getting a cayenne s or a cayenne gts a little bit older yeah 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 for that kind of money you know, yes. I'm not going to fight that off. Those All awesome. day long. Yeah, and then she'd sure. have her own spectrum of sacrifice, keep it in the German car realm. I think she would love it. Okay. But if we're not talking SUV and John's wife, you're thinking about, oh, I want something different. But my question is, if you love the TT and you have it as a sports car, what are you jonesing for? Mm. What are you looking for? Mm, okay. That's what's unclear here. But she does like the new Ford Bronco. Okay. She likes the gamut from Pontiac Solstice to Ford Bronco up to the R8. Yeah. So it's up to you and I to extrapolate (laughs) what in there she's looking for. If it is the new Bronco, John, you could put down a deposit as of this recording. Yep. And even though it'd be a lot more money, what if you sold that LS? What if you got rid of that LS400 and... Tell parents, grandparents, yeah, we're sorry. We had to move on from the LS because it just wasn't cutting it. My wife wanted a Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> My wife wanted a Bronco. That's just become the answer for everything. That's pretty good. I like that. I, I mean, that's funny because she's looking at cheap, used, tiny sports car. Yes. And, you know. Brand new. Roll over grand, anything. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, with yeah. Ford Bronco. Yeah, that's, wow. that's a spectrum for sure. But then he does mention she likes old Broncos, so that is a consideration, even though sure. now you're a little bit screwed because the prices of old Broncos are going to skyrocket. They're going to go back up. And you're right. you'll that's pay a good point. just as much for an old Bronco as you will for a new one. So you got to decide, new or old. <laughs> I firmly feel that way. The old Broncos are going to skyrocket. 
You're probably because right. they're just cool again. They're probably going to go back up. I like that. That's and yeah. you might as well choose. Do you want to spend the same amount of money on a new or an old Bronco? So we kind of have to decide here for her. Mm, I, mm, I'm what? leaning towards Bronco because it's it's a range. It gives a better range. It's a new thing in their life that doesn't overlap with anything else they have. I do exactly. see that. It has I do nothing see that. to do with anything else. And it's, you know, a large, crunchy SUV. And, yep. You know, you can do anything with it. Is the Wrangler out here? You don't mention the Wrangler at all, John. And I wonder, would your li- would your wife like a Wrangler? Because you can get a Wrangler for half of the new Wrangler or the get Bronco right money. And you can get it currently. You just go out and shop. You can shop Rubicons with tons of off-road capability. And typically, look, I'm speaking for my wife, but a lot of women really like Wranglers. So I mean, you could get a Wrangler right now for twenty twenty five grand. Get a good one that would just run. It would be a perfect. We have a ranch truck. Yeah, you know? yeah. You true. Could, and here's the thing: go the unlimited, so you get the full four door. There's there's your trick, because then you get something that's got the full four door capability. It's actually you know big SUV size, but it's got all the Wrangler street cred, and you can get it for twenty five grand. You could. Because Broncos are going to be. You save your money. Keep wrenching on the TT. That's exactly. Keep right. saving your money. Put your deposit down, well, get a Bronco, and load it up how you want it. And let's be honest, the Bronco is six months to a year away. By the time you actually get it yeah. in your driveway, and, if, and here's the thing, I'll go another one. If you decide you refuse to pay markup, which we encourage you to refuse to pay markup, yes. you yes. might be a full year away. By the time the dealers calm themselves down and start actually paying, tra- charging actual MSRP, you might be a full year from now. You go get a Wrangler tomorrow. So I do, I do wonder that's if, if that's an alternative to this discussion. I want to follow the rabbit trail of what she likes about that TT real quick. I think she okay. likes okay. the small little Germanness of it. Yeah. Which makes me go, what if you got rid of the TT and you got oh. her a Boxster? Well, John would like that. Yes, he would. But, but I know but, she'd love the Boxster. But I think your wife would like it too. And here's the thing. You have a heavily modded early Miata. As much as... The Boxster and the Miata are in the same class. I don't think you buying a stock normal Boxster is going to overlap with that Miata very much at all. Because the Miata clearly has been turned into something else. And if the Boxster is, let's be honest, it's going to have the interior feel and the niceness that she likes in that TT and a similar size and the Germanness and all of that, but it's going to have the dynamics closer to your Miata. I think that might be your middle ground between Aww. the TT you don't like, John, and the Miata that you do. What about a Boxster? You know, just listening and thinking this through, John, right now, I've had sort of a thought. I, I, I've worked my way towards this new thought. Okay. This is newly formed. Okay, go for I've it. I've never talked about this before. And that is budget. Because you didn't give us a budget. Yep. I'm wondering if everyone listening, you guys listening, when we ask you for a budget, are you, are you making it up? Are, are, are you? And by yeah. that I mean not just pulling a number out of thin air, but sort of like, all right, I think I could afford blank. Sure, but sure, yeah, yeah. What if I added, or you know what? I I know I can afford blank, but I don't want to allow myself to spend more. Sure, yeah. I and get so it. I'm going to pull back to thirteen thousand or whatever that is. But I'm wondering if sometimes you're asked what a budget is because this has happened to me. And I think, okay, what's my budget for this? Uh, huh. Um, I guess, what do I want my monthly payment to be? Or what do I want my final price to be? You know what? I guess I could pull more because the car that I'm looking at is going to influence my budget. (laughs) Yeah. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. And therefore, when I blow out your budget for you, then you think, well, yeah, I I guess you just kind of nailed it and you just said it for me and it's (laughs) this unspoken thing. I could be totally wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong. If I'm wrong on this, I'm curious, but... I'm just wondering if does the car inform the budget or does the budget inform the car? That's interesting. Because I, I think it depends point, on the on the family for sure. Yeah, very yeah. much does. Yeah, yeah. You're, t- you're talking new Ford Bronco, which is as Todd said, way out there. Yeah, it's going to be fifty grand plus. And you're talking you seven thousand dollar Pontiac Solstices. And I, and I would actually recommend you. I think look, this may be not everybody's opinion, but I actually think that the Sky is the better buy. I think that has aged better, and I think the interior specifically has aged much better on the Saturn Sky than the Pontiac Solstice. 
You're just such a taint with the Saturn brand and the Saturn badge. Who cares? I think Saturn. Like, well, but but bleh. honestly, it's like buying a Saab. It's it's a brand that people knew, and now it's gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. So the, true. But the thing is, underneath, except for body panels, underneath it's a GM car. You're going to be able to find parts for it. So unlike some of the other brands that have vanished, you're going to be able to ma- maintain it. That won't be a problem. I actually think that the Saturn Sky is the more interesting buy, and they're out there. And here's the thing. If you want to spend ten grand, you can find the nicest one out there. That is, in Saturn speak, it's the Redline, which means the Turbo, which is the one you want. Right. I like those cars a lot, actually. They're right. surprisingly cool. It was sort of GM's method of describing Turbo without, you know, EcoBoost means Turbo. Just yeah. call it Turbo. Yeah, you're right. You're but right. What's funny is I look at the Saturn Sky and I don't think Turbo at all. Mm. Or sorry, I don't think Saturn, the the name. And what the brand was founded upon. I don't think that at all. Interesting. Because okay. it has really nothing to do with what Saturn was designed to do. And You're right. You're right. Compete against the Japanese tiny four-door compact sedan. You're right. It's a different world. Good point. So why yeah. is there even a, a Saturn badge on there? It was such a brand exercise. Well, but they made it like the Opel, whatever it was, Speedster or oh, Roadster yeah. or whatever in Germany. Sheesh, I and about so, that. I mean, they, they, they stretched that platform as much as they could. And then they still killed it when, honestly, I wish, I'm off on a rant, but I wish they had done a second gen of that. Just like I wish they'd really done a second they gen of the Fiero. But they had Because both the problems. Fiero and that uh, platform that was the Solstice Sky, they were pretty good. They were almost competitive with everything yeah, else out hey. there. Imagine Gen 2. Can you imagine if GM had the Fiero and the Fiero were a genuine Cayman competitor? What? Well, yeah. Or it were a genuine, a step below the new C8 Corvette. Yes. So you had the, the mini mid-engine and yes. then you had the Corvette big boy and now you would have had the line. They, by the way, they could still do this. They could. They could resurrect the Fiero name, uh-huh. which would be beloved by everyone, and they could market it as, you know what? Corvette not available, C8, too much for you, too much power, too much everything, too big. Have you seen the new Fiero? Well, we're back to that thing Bring that you and I've talked about, which is Bring the it. enthusiast sub-brand under the Camaro name. That's all enthusiast cars, and there's one in every flavor. I think that'd be amazing, but, you know, we can dream. <laughs> one can dream. All right, John, John's wife, you've got some not drive homework to do, but you've got some budgeting homework to do. There's some soul searching involved. There's some, let's put yeah, it this there way, are. some yeah, there tense is. marital conversations will follow. I think that's <laughs> what's going on. I mean, look, if she wanted to stay Audi, I wanted to say this well. If she wanted to stay Audi, what about a uh, an S5? You go okay, classier, okay. you go bigger. It's still all-wheel drive, it's still Audi feel, but now you've bridged the gap between small little thing that's getting really up in miles and a newer, more country-crushing feel. You've kind of blended the two in the S5. If you wanted to go somewhere else different, but you need to stay out, you could go there. It's not as nice as the R8, but it feels to me almost like the middle ground between TT and R8 is S5. Granted, it's front engine. I get all that, but I'm kind of wondering about mm. that as, a, as an alt, even though I do think the Boxster is the better blend. I like the Boxster first choice, but I can see the S5 because initially I was thinking S4, John, but then I realized... You don't have the family yet. You don't need four doors. Yes, you don't need stay that Stay with the two doors, well, get the S5. Yeah, a little bit more unique and stay Audi. I like this. But well, when you have the family, you have cars right now. If you had a family tomorrow, which again, you're five years away, you have cars right now that can handle family duty. Indeed. You don't have to have a family car right now. All right, John, let's say that you keep all three cars that you have right now and your wife keeps the TT. You continue to wrench on it and she gets something else to flesh out her own spectrum of sacrifice, that's five cars between the two of you and you don't have a family yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. What are we doing? Are we starting a collection? Yes, if we so, are. so, great. Yeah, absolutely. For that reason, it's got to either be a more hardcore focused fun car or it's got to be the Bronco. Yeah, I see that. Because as cool as the Cayenne is, save your money for a Bronco. So, is this a don't spend your money, soul searching, <laughs> buying that? Oh, this is interesting. Well, we're back to tools for jobs, too. We always get we sidetracked into that. Don't you, This car you buy doesn't have to do everything. What is the thing that you aren't getting right now? Let's get a car that does that. <laughs> I agree. John, write to us. Let us know what you guys decide. We're curious, and we've got to jump back into car conclusions. We've had a lot of guests, as you guys have realized and, and heard, and we're very appreciative of our guests. But we've got to get back to car conclusions at some point as well, so we will do that. So continue to write to us. 
your car debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, your Topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions. We just love seeing what you guys have bought mm-hmm. and how it changes your thinking. Totally. Very, very interesting. Take a guess at the one thing we can't get enough of, car stuff. That's right. That's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of the award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, which is chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. You'll also get access to members-only live stream on topics that range from car values to automotive history, DIY tutorials, and a whole lot more. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts from big brands, including Deal of the Week, which is always an exclusive deal that only lasts a couple of days. If you love cars, and we know you do, this club is for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, I learned all my certified Paul-owned car care styles from Griot's. And now you can tune up your car care routine. What you need is a foam cannon. Create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway. Foaming requires little to no work and avoids wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way and super fast and cool to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what foaming is all about. I'll tell you right now, it's made cleaning faster. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. And now for questions... Thank you guys for posting up so many. There's so many fun questions here. Yeah. And uh, I'm scrolling through. So I am sitting shotgun in the Z4. Todd is driving. Don't worry. So you're just going to call him out. I'm just going to call out questions. And I've got to scroll through here a bunch. And let's see here. Oh, Sean Fisher 5 asks on Instagram, if you could choose any car from your past, your car, your friend's car, your parents, relatives, neighbors' cars... To drive today with no maintenance issues, hmm. what would it be? Interesting. Okay. So it, it's got to relate to us in, it sounds like, in, in one form or another. We yeah, have to yeah, have yeah. come into contact, either written in it or seen it or something like that. We're not just pulling cars out of thin air and saying, Sure. Yeah, that. I, I, ooh, I, I know. I okay, know what good. it is. Good, good. I, what is it? It is my dad's friend, whose name was Bob Wolf, and Bob was a go-getter realtor he was like the man in town okay and he had a hard-mounted cell phone in i believe (laughs) an early 80s jaguar xj you know okay the cars with the dual fuel uh nozzles on each side fuel fillers on each side so it didn't matter where is that in today's cars i see so many people pull up to the pump and they can't understand they're on the wrong side yeah which side their pump nozzle filler was on that car was so special. It was so money. And it was just associated with flashy Bob Wolf. Because he had a Rolex. That's funny. That's and he dressed funny. You know, like a certain way. He had those blue business shirts with the white collar. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he was just like this cool guy. That's very funny. And he would always come over to visit. And he'd pull up in his Jag. And I'm going, yeah. With the thin lever, you know, the shift levers. Ah. Yeah, that that would be the car. No All right, maintenance. I see that. I, I see, see that. It would be Bob Wolf's Jaguar. My, going to your fuel filler thing for a split second, because I will answer this question. But my favorite is when you see the videos, and I've seen a few of them. You see the videos where the person pulls up to the island. Let's say that the island's on the right side of their car. Yeah. And they get out and discover the fuel filler's not on the right, and so their solve is to turn around the island. Uh-huh. They just turn right to get on the other side of the right. island, and they can't figure out why they haven't solved the problem. Right. I can't stop laughing at those videos. It's endless anyway, entertainment. Uh, so I have two answers for this, because I'm going to go with, I think, what is the obvious if you follow the show for very long. And that is, when I was 11 or 12, my dad's last Jaguar E-Type drove away out of my life. And I would love oh, to have the yeah. one that he owned and have that and not have to maintain it. Because the reason he got rid of it is because mainly the family needed the money and that we couldn't stand him maintaining it anymore. So that's why he got rid of it. So that's the obvious answer. But I have another one. Okay. And that is when I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school, 
this friend of mine in high school, and this was Texas, and this friend of mine in high school, his parents had some land in the middle of nowhere, Texas, I don't even know where, but land that they had intended to build a home on at one point, and some oil company had come along and said, hey, we think if we put a well in your property, we'll hit something, and they did, and so this family all of a sudden had money. And his dad looked around for what car should I get, and I had never seen or heard of this car before until I arrived at his driveway to hang out with him one night. And in the driveway was a brand new, and unfortunately silver, Acura NSX, first gen. Oh my god! And it was, what was crazy about it is I knew nothing about it. I'd never heard about it. I'd never seen one. I hadn't read anything. So here was this mid-engine sports car with an Acura badge on it, and my brain was completely warped. That's so cool. And That's so, so cool. thinking back about that, I'd be like, you know what? I want his dad's first NSX. Oh, that's good. That, that would be the car to have right now. We still really like those cars. They still drive so great. So engaging. All right. Uh, Tommy P. asks if we can give a shout-out to the Suzuki Jimny. <laughs> okay. With the recent 4x4 craze, Tommy feels that the automakers in the U.S. are missing out on an opportunity to bring a great off-roader on a decent price to the U.S. That's interesting. I'm just, you know, we're continually talking between ourselves, Tommy, and that is about 4x4s and what will the Bronco do? Because, as you know, probably by now, the new Ford Bronco has been announced. It's going to have lockers on it. Yep. So it's got independent front suspension, but you've probably seen on Bronco Nation the Bronco tackling Moab alongside a Wrangler. Yep. So it's previously been positioned as a high-speed off-roader or dune runner. That's been the Bronco's expertise, but now it wants a piece of the Wrangler pie. Yep. And so, all right, does that mean more people are going to genuinely discover off-roading and they're not going to just be posers in their whatever. It seems like the Wrangler crowd, yeah, you, you, you're going to take that off-road. You're going to do stuff with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But anything down from that is sort of like, yeah, I've thought about off-roading. I don't really get around to doing it yet. Yeah. But something genuine. I loved the Suzuki Samurai because... It was this tiny little thing uh-huh. that you think, it can't possibly be good. Yeah. And it's like a mountain goat, and it outclimbs and out 4 by 4s almost everything you throw at it. Well, he's asking about mini off-roaders. Could those come back? And I think that's fascinating. I think there is an extra market there. And you know what I've wondered, and we've kind of pondered this before, but you know what I've wondered? Sports cars, performance cars, which we love, of course, they are becoming so powerful and capable that it's nearly impossible to use them in a normal way and on the road and get a sense of the capability. And a lot of people, let's be honest, are not good enough drivers to even go extract what their car can do. Yeah. But 4x4s offer a slightly different reality. Because theoretically, theoretically now, people that are wanting to explore the capabilities of their car might be able to more accessibly do that in an off-roader than they can on a sports car. Is that because of lack of speed? Yes, because you can go out and just try it. And, and you, you don't can go need, 10 miles an hour. Exactly. You don't need a venue, and it doesn't feel yeah. like we're going so fast. You're just trying it. It's a balancing act now. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that part of 4x4s is going to attract a new crowd or not. Huh. I, it just it seems like with everybody buying SUVs and CUVs, and you add capability to that, Yeah. but there's also cars that we're scratching our heads going, all right, is this a, is this a car? Is this an yeah. SUV? It yeah. seems like it's right in the middle, but you go smaller. I don't know that smaller is palatable or will sell in the U.S. yet. That is a tough sell. We did a Mercedes GLA AMG 45 with on a lift <laughs> with knobbies. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is my that would turbo knobby off roader. It's it's like yeah. I I don't know if. American buyers are quite ready for that one yet. Okay. Even though we've had the Suzuki Samurai in the 90s. We've had that car. Yeah. It was a niche buyer, and Suzuki is a very tiny niche automaker in comparison to every other manufacturer on the planet. Yeah, true. As far as off-roading, check. SUV, check. Tiny? Wait. Tiny? This is America. You, you buy the biggest thing you could possibly right. afford. We don't associate Tiny. capability, especially off-road capability, with little. That is a bit of a tough no. sell here. It's a good point. So, there, I, I hear you. The Jimny is very intriguing. 
I'm concerned there's not an American appetite for it yet. Mm -hmm. Unless you drop a V8 in it. (laughs) But then it's like a single passenger car. And then it's the flying chimney. There we go. Travis B. asks, what car would we consider to be the dead center of the spectrum of sacrifice? Very middle. Uh, GTI. I'm with you. I was thinking GTI as well because it's got some performance. It's a little spicy. It can handle a TV and your weekend trip yeah. to go furniture shopping. Yeah. Right? All right. Here we go. we got a passing lane. Brace yourself for a straight six-cylinder here. All right. Oh, come on. Are you really going to pass that this guy that slowly? Give me a break here. i got six speeds to work with. Come on. <laughs> Ooh, I like the noises. Yeah, the noises are sure. good. You You're not going to get over, are you? Uh, of course not. Oh, maybe. That exhaust sounds good. It does. This is a speed worthy of my shirt. Hey, look at that. Very good, very good. Lance J. Roberts writes to us, his commuter, e-golf, is mostly sitting doing nothing currently. Okay, all right. He's considering selling it and driving the old beater for a while, which is a Volvo V70 with 183,000 miles. He's asking about the used car market. I can't see any more of your note here, Lance, because I, uh, He's wondering I don't if have it's a, online. I read this earlier. He's wondering if this is a good time to sell a car or not. Honestly, okay, the used great, car great. market is doing very well right now because all that's going on in the world, people are deciding they really would like their own car again. Which and so the used I car love. market is yeah. actually doing really well, and most places are desperate for inventory. I saw an ad, and I'm not trying to do an ad here, but I saw an ad the other day for Carvana saying, essentially, we want your car, we don't care what it is. I mean, they're oh, yeah. desperate for inventory. So I actually think if you want to sell it now, it's probably a pretty good time. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, could very well be. Plus, you know, e-golf, those are in high demand, right? You would think. I, I don't know. Rubedo is asking if there's an appetite for a tournament arc video, something like 25 of our favorite cars in a head-to-head shootout for the title of Best Everyday Driver Car of the Year. Well, the reason we haven't done Best Car of the Year in the past is because just driving everything that is available in that year is a lot of driving. It's a lot of cars to go through. And to be able to succinctly say, all right, this is the best one out of all of them for that year, do you have any idea how many new cars come out in a, in a particular model year because we could say yeah we'll just corral it to one group of cars well what about all these others that we're kind of missing out on we haven't driven yet that's Agreed. why it's tough yeah. to be definitive with our statement and say alright best car of the year out of the however many hundred well but it also ignores the 35? fact that there are other good cars out there that were made last year or two years ago and that's I think performance car of the year is always difficult because the market is constantly changing and you have to ignore the other things that exist, which is interesting. I would love to do a feature film with a lot of different cars from different market segments and talk about the difference in enjoyment related to price. I'd love to do that, but there's a lot of money and infrastructure involved. We've talked about it. Maybe it'll happen. Barrett Jero has a question here about an Elise. He seems every other Elise that he sees is uh, supercharged. Yeah, a lot of them are. Do you, Todd, ever try to push your foot deeper into the carpet or lack thereof? It's not carpet. It's extruded aluminum panels down there. Yeah, it is. There's not a whole lot of carpet going on. To find more power. Do you ever push harder to find more power? There's a crowd saying power is always better. Where is the balance for the Elise? Well, honestly, I would love to have a factory supercharged Elise, like an 08 or 09. I think that really is the best that that car was, late in its model run with the factory supercharger. Now, you can get a supercharger just like the factory done, aftermarket. A lot of people do that. It is nice. Here's what's interesting about the supercharger and the Elise. It makes the bottom, before you get on the second more aggressive cam, feel like the more aggressive cam. It's a low PSI supercharger. So in that regard, I actually think it is a help. I haven't stressed it. I thoroughly enjoy my car, so I'm not that worried about it. If I end up keeping it for a long time like I want to, I can see that maybe happening in the future. But by and large, I just enjoy it. The thing is, when people take an Elise and make it 300, 400 horsepower, you're overwhelming the balance of the chassis. I'm not saying you're not making it crazy fast, but you're overwhelming what's there. When you get a supercharged Elise, it's like a 20-horsepower bump. 
which is significant, but most of what you feel is down low, which is where the car feels less aggressive anyway. I think the supercharged Elise is a really nice balance, but it's, the, like I say, three or four and a horsepower where it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah, agreed. Dave Maya um, is asking about the Lexus ISF with bulging wide body, which is the opposite of the Honda Fit, huge outside and tiny inside. Sure. What other cars are reverse fits? I've got one. Okay. It's the Fisker Karma. It's yes. huge on the outside. You yes. get in, you think, this is going to be space. What? You open the back door on the Fisker Karma, and it's such a fake door cut. Yeah. Because it intrudes. The actual panel intrudes. And then there's this huge center tunnel, and it's like you're sitting in a Hummer. Which was the one I was going to bring. I was going to bring up the Hummer H2. Yeah. yeah. Never has a car so big had so little space. But the, the Fisker Karma is superb. You're absolutely right there. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, oh, thoughts on a classic Porsche as a weekend car from Dan Gleason 1. Something like a 944 is a reasonable entry price to the brand. We Why highly not? agree. Yeah, Absolutely. If you can find a 944 under $10,000, you're doing well. 924s are even, if you can find a decent one, great. But yes, it's going to be about that balance. And, you know, it doesn't matter when the car was built, if you like how it drives. Plus, you know, you get... Uh, get introduced to the Porsche brand. I'm all about that. We've got one more here. I'm looking for Walid Z. He offered us a track daily crush that I think we should end on here. Okay. He said, 2018 Civic Si, Fiesta ST, and Golf GTI. I think you're shopping, Walid. Are you shopping? Track daily crush on those 2018 three. Civic Si, Fiesta ST, and Golf GTI. Um, I, much to my surprise, I actually think... You're going to want to track the SI. You're going to want to daily the Golf, which means the Fiesta ST gets crushed. And that is not taking anything You're away from the fun of that car. Me. I think that's probably the case. I would track the daylights out of the Fiesta ST. It would be crazy fun, for I would sure. daily the Golf because it's got that nice interior. And the SI has rev hang. Get rid of the rev hang. Oh, we're, sorry, SI, not Type R. Not Type R. Oh, then, then you're right. Then you're right. The SI the is crushed. I apologize. All the right, SI is no, crushed. We're going with the Fiesta ST. Yep. Okay, I lied. Last question. Cutler Colin 99 asks, what's the furthest within Utah we've driven for a shoot seen the Wrangler in Moab and the big sedan salt flats videos we've also just recently shot daily fun which is in the middle of Utah yeah that was about a four or five four hour drive or five yeah. hour yeah. Yeah, yeah so we drove there and shot that got some totally different scenery that's what I love about Utah man it's just got such a crazy diverse scenery and yeah. there was one drive that we did last year you and I did highway six I think it was that the scenery and the landscape changed dramatically four different times. Yeah. It was lush Hawaii looking. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it went to red canyons, red rock canyons, and then forest, and then something else. It was just amazing. Well, but also think about the fact that we, back to the, the question of where have we driven, going outside of Utah, think about the fact that we went to Denver and back in the big sedans for that road trip, too. We went away yeah, for that Yeah, Denver. Guy. Denver, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Thank you for being with us during this crazy drive. We've been bouncing over some weird, rough road. But now we're back on some smooth surface. I think Todd's uh, kind of liking your BMW. We're doing well. I'm Hey, I'm driving a BMW straight six. That can't be too bad. $7,000 for this thing, man. It's amazing. Lots of coverage coming, for sure. Look at this. Guys, thank you so much. Looking forward to all your responses for all of our forthcoming TV and YouTube content. Thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time, guys. Cheers.